the Hollywood Trust podcast testimony series, sharing experiences of those affected by the Northern Ireland conflict and those people who have taken the decision to take positive steps for the future. Now here is your host, Eamon Becker. Hello there once again and welcome to this edition of the Hollywell Testimony Series. My name is Eamon Baker. I would like to take the time to thank the funders of this podcast, namely the Central Good Relations Fund, the Reconciliation Fund of the Department for Foreign Affairs, Derry and Strabane District Council and the Community Relations Council. And our guest this week is Emma McGinley. Emma works voluntarily with Reach Across, a cross-community youth group which meets at Hollywell Diversity Community Partnership. Next week on the Hollywell Trust Testimony Series. My guest is Archdeacon Robert Miller. That we've said to victims or survivors of the violence that's been visited upon them or upon their loved ones, that this is a very difficult issue, your victimhood or your sense of being a survivor, and we can't come to any accommodation in it within the political realities and institutions, and actually... It's your fault that it's not working because it's such a difficult issue. Miss an episode of the Hollywell Trust Testimony Series or Hollywell Podcast? Well, you can catch up on our on-demand service both on Apple Podcasts and at SoundCloud.com. Just look for Hollywell Trust. I was only five and then the Good Friday Agreement was signed, so my memory of any trouble happening is null and void, basically. I don't remember any, any troubles as such. But I think it's tentative, the peace at the minute's tentative, um, especially with the political situation in the North, current political situation. Um, there's a lot of people that are, are starting up and being counted and increased voter turnout and all the rest of it from the last election um, is testament to that. It's testament that people want to have their voices heard by political representatives. It also speaks that people are quite happy to go ahead with a peaceful way forward through politics as opposed to what the violence and everything else that ensued through the Troubles was about. Um, but I think that unless there is a proper, real attempt by people from all factions, all different political parties, different communities and different backgrounds, they maintain peace and they show equality and show respect to everybody from other backgrounds, then the peace is never going to last. Um, unless that, that does really happen and there's a real effort made at it. And respecting everybody's different backgrounds, I mean, I was 14 whenever I joined REACH and for me, as a 14-year-old from Craigan, there's very few Protestants that I had come across with throughout my childhood. And it had was, you come across any, Emma? Not that I was aware of, because it had drama and stuff when I was younger as well and there could have been people there, but it was never discussed, it was never was never brought up your religion was never anything um through the drama group that i was involved with but then when i joined reach i was like made more aware of different backgrounds as opposed to just me and becoming more aware of that and meeting other young people that were the same age as me from those different backgrounds made me more aware of you know what they're not that different they're not different at all actually all they do is pray about different the and that's for me was an eye-opener and then i have my twin brother who is, was my original connection with Sinn Féin, where he's my twin, he's heavily involved in Sinn Féin more than I am, and then I was heavily involved with REACH, where we were almost nearly two polar opposites, where I was working actively in a cross-community way to try and meet new people, and he was more along the political line. So as twins, we were, we were quite different, but we have both worked together, where I have been able to bring in Sinn Féin 
for different political events that Barney's organised through my brother and been able to get with Sinn Féin to get political representatives to come and speak to young people to explain to them um, where they stand, where they, you know, mm-hmm. have their discussions. But in terms of peace, a, a young person's perspective, if I can call myself a young person, that is, I do, I would say it's tentative, depending on the political situation. When you say tentative, does that suggest to me that you might have fears? Slightly. There are elements within both communities. I wouldn't say it's just, you know, there's dissident Republicans, so there's there's loyalists. There's Within all communities, there's obviously going to be people that are not happy with the way that things are going at the minute, and they want the, the only way that they can see past it. Especially, well, I've seen it more within dissident Republicanism, where they call people like in Sinn Féin, they'll call them sellouts because they agree with the policing strategy, where in my view, I would say there has to be some form of a, a police force. There has to be some way of policing things and keeping law and order and all the rest of it. Mm. Or for them, it's just the throwback day. It's the days of the RUC that they're just in a different uniform. They're just whatever. And the only way that they seem to be able to see past that is they have a bullet or a bomb. And it's been proved over the past while, particularly as I was saying with voter turnout and in the last election, the turnout was up and it was up Sinn Féin's mandate increased massively. People are changing their ways, but there are always going to be those elements that could attempt to drag us back to what happened before 1998. The increased turnout, not just for Sinn Féin, but for... Across the board. ...DUP, Alliance, etc., would reflect in your mind people want the democratic process to work. Yes. They're they're out voting rather than, as it were, picking up a gun. Uh Uh-huh. I would agree. And you, you said that your brother has been helpful to you to bring in, to reach across, across mm-hmm. community, youth cross community group, which is based here in Hollywell, Diversity Community Partnership. Yeah. Have you been able to bring in other parties, for example, like the DUP or the SDLP or As I say, it's, Alliance? It's, well, we had, just prior to the last election, there was a youth um, forum that mm-hmm. was open for young people to speak to the representatives. All the parties were there, they were all represented. So it's not that it's just Sinn Féin, but for me, being able to have that contact where it's... You've got I, an access I, to I've the, got an access to, to the it party. And, yeah. yeah, and you're looking at it, you're taking young people to Stormont, they explain to them the political process, they have representatives there that can speak to them. And there's been occasions where Martina Anderson and Maeve McLaughlin met with our groups as they arrived. And for me, I think it's important that young people know who the representatives are on a personal level, as opposed to, oh, I've seen her in the paper or I've seen him on a board on the street during the election. You know, I think it's important that young people get to meet their representatives because they're there to meet them. They're there Mm. to work for them. Mm. They're elected to work for them. Um, And young people's issues are as important as anybody else's issues and they should be tackled. You're speaking with such energy there, I'm tempted to ask you, have you an inclination to become involved politically yourself? Well, I haven't really, really thought about it, to be honest. It's not really something I've considered. I, I work with Rich and I am enthusiastic about politics, but I've never never contemplated being standing for election. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> <laughs> you might have put a thought in my head there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you put a, that's the thought that came up as, uh-huh. you, as you spoke so eloquently about uh-huh about politics and your involvement. You've been involved with Reach Across from when you were 14? 10 years. 10 years. So this uh-huh. is your 10th year. Yeah. So that would take us back to 2007. You, you talked about growing up in Craigan, as I did myself, uh-huh. and I live there as well. How did you hear about Reach? And maybe tell us some of your experiences of Reach and what keeps you involved 10 years later. 
So when I was 14, obviously, well, maybe it's not obvious to anybody that doesn't know REACH, one of the ways that we work with recruitment is they go on these schools and do a presentation during their assembly in the morning. And where were you at school then? I was at Thornhill. Okay. So REACH came under Thornhill and I seen the presentation and I thought, oh, well, that looks like great fun and, you know, all the activities and all the rest of it and good courses, good for your CV. I did take the application form, but I didn't fill it out there and then. It's, it's one of the things that now when we're doing it, I'm like, oh, just fill it out. I didn't do it there and then, but then a friend of mine who was at St Mary's, had seen the presentation, had went on a residential and then was telling me about it. And I was like, I'm coming with you on Thursday. I'm coming up with you on Thursday. And then I've been been here ever since. And was it above Weatherspoons? Yeah, we were just above Tomorrow's, the, tomorrow's, the bridal yeah. shop. Yeah. I, we were above there then. Yeah. Um, our old building, that's my, that's where I always have my throwbacks. Do you want to think back to the, the earlier days in, in Reach? In terms of experiences, like I've done so many courses with Reach. I've done you know, drugs and alcohol awareness. I've done sexual abuse awareness. We've done different courses in cooking, like life skills, as opposed to just going out and, you know, playing Laser Quest or going out and going ice skating or anything. Like there's so many life experiences that I've learned through Reach that I have, I'll always be grateful for. Because mm. to be honest, I never took an interest in cooking until I did the Cook It course. And then I thought, you know what, I'm actually okay at this. It's, it's a hun that I've developed. There's been so many different courses that are on my CV that I couldn't even list off for you now, because mm. there's so many of them. Like between OCNs and everything else, it just, for me, for somebody that, well, I was academic, I was, I was, I enjoyed school, but they have that additional support and OCNs and everything else for people that maybe aren't so um, focused when they're at school. It's definitely a good way to build up a CV as well as to take part in their school courses. Because they do actually have UKS points and stuff as well for an OCN. So it's a good way to build up life experience and get qualifications in the process. Were you involved, uh, as well as doing the courses, were you involved in travel? Did you do international trips? The international trips that I did, I did as a leader. Um, So I was an assistant leader and I did the advance visits for Italy and for Bulgaria. And I also did the fall exchange for a group that we had in Liverpool, who then came here at Halloween and experienced our Halloween carnival and loved it. So um, the um, I've done a lot of the hosting whenever groups are here with us. Um, so, sorry, I'm interrupting you for a second, but you come in as a 14-year-old and gradually during the 10 years you become an assistant youth leader. Then a leader. So there's a graduation process. Yeah. Could you speak a bit about that and what you see as the benefits of that for young people? Okay, so... Um, at 14 I joined and then I stayed obviously and I was doing the courses, doing all the programs, taking part in as much as I could. Then it's 18, when I turned 18 I did my assistant leader training. That's also at the point when I joined the management committee. But um, Oh, you were on the management committee as well? I, I did my assistant leader training and that, that lasts for, it's now three years until you're 21. And that process is basically to allow you to build up your confidence in leading young people as opposed to going on and just being left in the, the deep end. So you're mentored by the leaders that have been there for a few years that are over 21 that can help you. And then once you get to 21, you'll be retrained again. There'll be a refresher course, more intense, because you'll then be the leader in charge, basically. And from then on, then you're obviously given support through the management committee structure and all the rest of it. Um, I joined the management committee when I was 18. Um, there was a lady, Mandy, who was a leader at the time. Mandy Bradley. Mandy Bradley. Yeah. Mandy and Christy Burke both encouraged me, I'll say, encouraged me to join the management committee because they seen that I was a young person who had my head screwed on was their their way of looking at it. And it was 
a better way to get the young people's voice onto the committee as opposed to just having the teen reps there to really report and to report back where it was a younger person there to be able to speak about younger people's issues from experience of my four years as a member. So it is a graduation process. I think it's beneficial to young people. They see that, you know, you might be there when you're 14, but by the time that you're 21, you could be a leader. You could be giving mm-hmm. other young people the experiences that you had at 14, which is what's kept me there. What do you say you've added to your life by being involved and reach across from 14 to become an assistant leader, a leader and a member of the management committee? From staying on, um, as a young person, it, was, it opened my eyes to other communities, different backgrounds, different opportunities, things that I might not have got in St Mary's Youth Club or stuff like that you know just being in Craigan widened out my perspective on looking at different people and the way that they operate as opposed to just my own community I was able to look at different backgrounds and realize that as I said people aren't that different it doesn't matter what their background is or whatever you know if they like to do ice skating and you like to do ice skating I'm pretty sure you can get on becoming a leader and looking back on that now being given the opportunity to take away young people and give them the experiences that I had at 14 on a residential, you know, having good games, people enjoying themselves, getting to know all our young people, being the person, being the leader that is, like, well, we work as a team of leaders, but being that team of leaders that bring those young people together and make them realise, so you know what, they're not all that different. It's it's heartwarming. What what would be the percentage of Catholic and Protestant, would you say, in Reach Across? I would say at the minute we're about 60-40. 60-40. Uh, our goal is 50-50, but we're about 60-40 at the moment. Yeah. 60-40 would be close to the community balance that mm-hmm. exists in the city. Uh-huh. 50-50 would be some challenge. If that oh, 100%. Was, but uh, it's, it's the goal we always go for if we're putting together any groups to go away in residentials or anything like that. No, especially New Year members, so that yeah. nobody feels that they're yeah, under that the percentage. Eight people from Craigan and one from... So we try we try to balance it out as much as we can. But as I say, there's not that big a difference. And especially when it's younger people, I believe if you can speak to younger people as before they get any form of bitterness or any form of, you know, this is your past and you have to remember it and you have to remember it and you have to do this and you have to do that. If you're able to speak to young people and say, you know what, if you're only fourteen, you shouldn't have that that burden on you. You know, obviously learn about your past, learn about your culture, learn about your history, but don't let it limit you. Mm. That's important for me. I think that it's important to get young people at that age and have that conversation instead of waiting to their already, you know, better as such. I just think that young people need to be given the opportunity to love their lives before they're dragged into what was the past. Have you personally developed friendships with people from the Protestant stroke unionist stroke loyalist community through the process of yes yeah. yes one of my best friends actually is is it's three reach that he has become one of my best friends it's called Tommy he's from the waterside and he actually joined the year after me and we're still extremely close he's we, we almost nearly joke about it you know about the difference and whatever there's there's a bit of banter that goes on along mm. the lines but there's nothing hateful it's it's great crack and he understands my background, I understand his background, and it doesn't get in the way. Mm. It's just, you know, we're just friends. We go out, we'll go out because we're over 18 and have a couple of pints and enjoy ourselves. And, you know, it's, there's nothing there's nothing better about it. But I think that if I hadn't been at Reach, I probably would never have known Tommy unless I ended up working with him or something further down the line. Yeah. So I, I do think it's important. I do think that there's there will be friendships that have come up through that that will last because of what Reach has done. Obviously, it's a funded project. 
at the minute we don't have any core funding yeah how is how do you feel about that that so there's this good work going on that you value you've been involved with for 10 years and there's a struggle to secure funding it's extremely frustrating i think that the work that's done by the community and voluntary sector as a whole not just through reach but as a whole is taken for granted and in a sense um you've got a lot of schools and a lot of youth projects that are funded by the western education library board or the education mm-hmm. authority and then you have other organizations who they will refer people to like we get referrals from schools we get referrals from other youth organizations that have core funding and they'll refer people to us because they know that the work we're doing is good but they don't as such give us the the funding yeah. They, they continue on that work. So that's in the sense where, where you're saying you feel taken for granted? Yes. Yeah, reach across, we'll take care Aye. of this. They'll take care of that young person. Yeah. Aye. There's no core funding there. Um, how are we supposed to support staff and jobs? I would say 99.8% of our work is done through volunteers. It's not done through paid staff. We have two paid staff at the minute, and one of them is paid through a project that's government funded, and it's a workplace um, yeah. placement yes. um, which is our second member of staff and for me for the volume of work that's that's going on for the number of young people that we're taking away on projects for the international projects and all the rest of it it's just not good enough funding is not so much more available for community and voluntary projects as it should be and given your uh, connections with um, uh, local politics and local politicians mm-hmm. have you been lobbying on behalf of Oh, I reach across, yeah. We have, but obviously with the current political situation, it's difficult to get any form of an answer when there's no executive in place. Yeah, it's extremely difficult in terms of council funding. They're made by it's through committees. You can't exactly, you can lobby and ask for support on your application, but when it comes to it, they have to look at every single application in an equal way. Yeah. Um. So at the minute, the the, the main problem with lobbying our politicians is that there's no executive in place. They, in mm. order to lobby for any funding. How would you say uh, a project like Reach Across supports peace in our city, if you like, in Northern Ireland? As I said about the young people and talking to them before they get to a point where any bitterness is ensued, um, I think that projects like Reach are able to open the doors between different groups of young people. And even if it's just us doing a project with a, a group in St Mary's, and a group in Les Neil, and yeah. bringing them together for that project. If they they might not go away in a residential, they might not spend a full weekend together, but they'll get to know those other people from the different side. Yeah. As such, um, I think it's extremely important for young people to be given that opportunity to meet up with people from what is considered the the opposite side. Actually, to reach across. Yeah. So if the project were to close, somehow I sense that that won't happen, because in, in particular, someone like Barney is so invested in it so mm-hmm. so dynamic at the at the center of it but if it were to close a big big hole the project was to close if reach as an organization was ever to finish it would be a massive loss to young people in the town yeah um i think it would be a massive loss to young adults in the town as well because of the number of young volunteers that we have that are working on their leadership skills that are working on maybe going on to a teaching career and this is their way of you know developing that confidence to stand up in front of a group of young people there's so many young adults that are benefiting from the project that might not have been involved either yeah um as young people and they're benefiting from the project because it's developing their confidence developing their leadership and giving them the opportunity to work with young people and try and make a difference 
and I think it would be a massive loss if the project was to close. When you were 14, when you look back now, you at you 14 and you at 24, would you say that your confidence, uh, I'm guessing the answer to this is yes, of course, but has really developed? You know, as you sit here, your uh, each answer is articulate, eloquent, energetic. Uh, I suppose you uh, you could have been working in, I don't know, a fish and chip shop, or you could have been doing X, Y, and Z, and that could have built your confidence as well. But you would attribute your skills, experience, confidence now to, to Reach, primarily? I would, primarily, I would. Um, I think that through working with Reach, it's developed my ability to speak to young people. As a young person, for me, finding a way to articulate myself was, I wouldn't say difficult. Um, I was always really good at English at school. I always found English to be my strong point, but being able to find the right words was sometimes a bit more difficult. Where now, because I've been speaking with young people and all the rest of my my vocabulary as such has, has been developed and the how I speak to people and I think that I do I would attribute my confidence to reach as, as a whole. And have you ever thought about um, entering into youth and community work as in you know doing professional qualification? I've done the part time youth certificate um, as it stands but and this is going to sound really bad and I don't mean to offend anybody that is a paid youth worker. <laughs> But for me, the passion that I have for doing the youth work with Reach is because I do it voluntarily. I do it in a voluntary capacity. And for me, that is more important to me. Mm. Um, that it's I'm, I'm choosing, I'm, I'm physically choosing to go and take my time and go and do what I can, as opposed to, oh, I'm being paid for it, I have to go do this now. I have to go do this project. So for me, I, I can't see myself going down that line because the voluntary part of it is like so important to me. Okay. And just to, to finish off then, if you could, and it might take a wee minute to, to answer this question, but I'm thinking over the 10 years, maybe you could tell us a number of highlights, uh, things that matter to you that are in your heart, in your mind, and say, that was, a, that was good, that was good. One of my main highlights, and it was when I was 18, and we were hosting our group from Liverpool, they actually took part in the Halloween carnival. We had talked the to procession. the council, they took in part in the procession. We had our young people and the group from Liverpool and they came together. I think it was steampunk was their theme. And they, steampunk? Steampunk, aye. There's a big photograph that Barney has of the whole group all dressed up in their costumes. And they went out and they physically took part in that carnival. And for me, seeing that was amazing because it was our young people. They were hosting them. They were wanting to make sure they had the best opportunity, the best chance to mm. be involved in what is one of the biggest nights in this town. And they did it, and they did it well, and they took part in the procession. They really, really enjoyed themselves. And there's young people from that group that are still in contact with us, and that was six years ago now that they're still in contact. You know, oh, I really want to come back to there. I need to come back and get a chicken box. And, you know, it's wee simple things like that, but... That Halloween carnival is one of my massive highlights that those young people get that chance to, to take part in something that is so big for us. Another one would be my advance visit when we, me and Nicole Morris, we went to Italy. To, we went to Tortona in Italy and did the advance planning for our group. And the group that went out to Tortona had a fantastic time as well, which for me was justification that we did a good job in making sure that everything was outlined properly for them. Last year we did Tobermore 4 and it was me and four other leaders and it was the fourth camp of the, the spring program and that was one of my 
best and most enjoyable camps that I've ever taken just because it was such a great group of young people it was a great group of leaders and it was just such a fun weekend Mm -hmm. where everybody took part in everything and it was just it was fantastic so they would be my three main highlights Mm -hmm. I would say but Tobin Moore 4 was a that was a big one Mm. and finally one of the things that I haven't mentioned you haven't mentioned is I know you're also involved in music Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, it's been I, a while. <laughs> when the this building was officially opened, there you were doing a gig downstairs with a white table there. Yeah. Rocking it. <laughs> well, it. trying. <laughs> yeah. So, how is the music now? Or was the music through Reach Across, or was that a separate initiative that you happened to be part of? Uh, well, it started through Reach. Um, we so bands. We had a band go, project, yeah. and we had a band project, and. It started when I was actually a member and continued on and it ended up it was a, a band that was made up of leaders because we had just continued it from when we were young people, mm-hmm. when we were members as such. What was the band called? Face for the Radio, I think that, that, that was the name for that band. <laughs> <laughs> you got very tentative there, Face for I the think, Radio. I think, I think that's what we called that one. Um, so there's a number of bands. There was two. Um, so we had that first, but that was it was a cover band basically. We just got together, jammed out a few songs, and that was the the band that played at the the opening. And then myself and Ronan um, decided that we wanted to write some of our own stuff. Um, so we did a bit of writing. We got two songs out. We were called Sleeping with the Moon, but it's kind of like that. Life life got taken over. Um, I I was always working. He was always working. So. We haven't written anything as such in almost two years now, which is crazy. Are you a vocalist or do you also play a get an instrument, a guitar? Uh, I'm just a singer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just a singer. I can, I've tried to play guitar and failed on numerous occasions. So yeah. I, I wouldn't be musically inclined in that way. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't have a talent at any instruments, but I can sing. That's my thing. This podcast is funded by the Central Good Relations Fund, the Reconciliation Fund of the Department of Foreign Affairs. Uh, co-funded by the Derry City Astroban District Council and the Community Relations Council. I would like to thank our guest today, Emma McGinley, for coming along and for speaking so openly and frankly. If you've missed any of our testimony episodes, a special playlist featuring every episode to date can be found at soundcloud.com. Just search for Hollywood Trust and you will be able to stream or download every episode. Otherwise, all our episodes can be found on Apple Podcasts and at Stitcher.com. And to let you know that our guest next week will be Archdeacon Robert Miller. Thank you. You can stay up to date with us on our social media pages. On Facebook, look for the Hollywell Trust. And on Twitter, it's at Hollywell Tea.